Welcome to the show. I'm Greg Esposito, the Espo in the Espo Show. Glad to have you here for this edition of the program. Excited to have my guest. He is Bill Goodykunz, the chief media critic for AZ Central and the Arizona Republic. Uh, Bill, we've talked before when I filled on on the Brad Sassmatt show, but so excited to have you here. Thanks for taking a few minutes. Yeah, I, uh, we, we, we should have done this sooner. Uh, we had some good times talking on Brad's show and um. And I think we share some uh, similar interests, not just in sports, of course, but in uh, in the broadcast side of, of sports as well. Oh, yes, I, I am a media nerd in general, and we will get into uh, talking about uh, some of the factors that COVID have brought into sports broadcasting, talk a little bit about, about film and the impact of COVID. But I kind of wanted to start with you early in your career. I know one of the beats that you covered was sports. You were a sports columnist. Uh, and and we talk a lot of sports on this show, but I was wondering, what was your favorite moment from from covering sports then? And I know you're back covering some of it now as well. But and and, and did you miss it when you went into into media more full time and covering film and and television? Well, yeah, I mean, I missed it in terms of covering it. I didn't miss it in terms of watching it because I continued to watch it. I'll tell you two things I can tell you uh, fairly quickly that were among my favorite things. The first was how I got the job. I was covering Phoenix City Hall and um, and they called me over to uh, you know, had an office. You know, the City Hall reporters had an office in City Hall. So they called me over to the newsroom, the managing editor and the new sports editor. And I thought I thought they were going to fire me. And um, they said, truly, I'd be like, why else? I, I didn't have any dealings with them. What they want with me? And then they, um, and then instead, the managing editor said, how would you like to watch sports on television and write about it? And I just thought, well, I'm already doing it for free. So if, if you want to pay me for it, that'd be great. And, I mean, if, if you could have imagined a perfect situation, I, I would think that would be it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I can tell you, you talk about one of those things where you go to work that morning, and I was thinking about like, wow, you know, what time is the council meeting tonight or whatever? <laughs> and and in the, the, the afternoon, it was like my entire life changed. Uh, it truly, it did, you know, just to, uh, on, on their whim, thank, you know, thankfully. But uh, the um, the other one though was it was it was kind of like uh, and you know this because you were around then it was this sort of really smart Alex sports column I was like a real kind of bratty know it all kind of uh, even though I didn't you know I mean I played a lot of sports I, I was not as terrible a football player as you might think I was lightly recruited <laughs> sort of <laughs> modest sort of modestly recruited but um the uh, but um a lot of it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because I had not had to kind of come up through the ranks and cover like high school sports and stuff. And then all of a sudden I was getting to go to the Super Bowl. And, um, but I mean, what, what are you, what are your options? Are you going to do say no? I mean, I, I wasn't going to do that, but so the, um, when the Super Bowl first came to, uh, to Phoenix, this is the, the, the other story I was going to tell you They um, I'd written the whole week about, it was when the Steelers and the Cowboys played in 1996 and they, and still played at Sun Devil stadium at the time. And so it got to be game day. And as you know, I mean, everybody, you go like four or five hours early before the game starts because it takes so long to get in and check in and do all that stuff. And I didn't know what I was going to write about. I, other people did game stories and game columns. So I thought I hit on this idea where I would start at the top of the stadium with the worst seats, the people who had the worst seats for the Super Bowl. And I'd work my way down to the best seats and kind of talk to people along the way and see what their experiences were. And after about 15 minutes in the top rung of Sun Devil Stadium, I was like, this is stupid and it stinks and I don't want to do it. 
so I just so I decided what I would do is I went down and I sat in front row, 50 yard line, right in the middle. And I said, what, what I'll do is I'll sit here until the person who actually has the seat comes and kicks me out. And then I'll interview them and I'll have an interview with the person who had the best seat at the Super Bowl. Right. And what actually happened was they never came. <laughs> uh, the, the person who had the absolute best seat for the first Super Bowl played in Arizona did not come. So I sat there, uh, you know, right behind the bench. Uh, so th th they did the thing where they brought Diana Ross in in a helicopter and they flew her out in the helicopter and all that kind of. And what I did was it, it was a, it was a stunt that paid off. I mean, it was, it was just pure luck, but I've, I've replicated it for every Super Bowl played in Arizona since. And, um, and some of the national championship games uh, as well. It's basically for me, what it has been, maybe I shouldn't say this publicly. It's been a way to get back to go to all the Super Bowl games because I can say, <laughs> Hey, wait, man, it's at this point, I can say it's your tradition. Come on, you know, um, and knock wood. So far, they've let me. <laughs> uh, did Did you ever find out who actually had the ticket to that first game and why they didn't show up? I did not. Uh, what I talked to the people around me. This is weird because I had to go to the bathroom from like the end of the first quarter on, and there was no, even though I had a pass, there was no way I was going to leave. Cause I thought if I, if you know, then, then they're going to, they're going to be mad cause they're late. And like, but what they told me was the people around me told me was that uh, the networks typically uh, buy a lot of those seats, that whatever network is uh, broadcasting the game, but other networks as well, because as you've seen, like during the Super Bowl or the world series, they like to show, you know, there's Jennifer Aniston sitting there with the Cubs hat or what, you know, that kind of thing, or, 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 or more, more likely somebody who's in one of their shows. And, you know, they, it's, it's good free promotion for them. And they said, but what happens a lot at the Super Bowl is they have these big lavish network pregame parties. And a lot of times the people who have those seats don't even come. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know, but I'll, I'll tell you a couple of years later, I, I tried the same trick again. And uh, it was when uh, Florida State and Tennessee were playing for the national championship again at Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, and I, I sat there and pretty early on, before the game, this guy came, long hair, down to past his shoulders. And uh, and I said, he said, hey, dude, sorry, uh, those are my seats. And he said, dude, a lot. And 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 I said, oh, hey. You know, I explained who I was and what I was doing. And I said, uh, so uh, what's your name? And uh, I'll never forget, this is precisely the way that he said it. He said, dude, I'm Scott Stapp. I'm the uh, singer for the rock band Creed. <laughs> and it's like, and Creed was really popular then, and, and people didn't hate him yet. People still liked him at the time. And um, and but it was the way he said it, the rock band Creed. Like I was like some ninety-year-old guy that he had to explain the genre to. You know, it's like, it's like I, I know what kind of music you play. But I tell you what, I guess later he turned out to be kind of a, a jerk. But that day he was so nice, and he had actually gone to Florida State for like a semester. And he uh, and then they hit it big and he had bought the first row or first two rows out for his stage crew, uh, the touring crew, uh, so awesome. that they could watch Florida State. But yeah, it was really nice. So uh, that uh, that that particular stunt. And again, I, I don't want to jinx it, but it has never failed me yet. <laughs> well, 
all the all the years I worked at the Suns, I, I could have gotten you a center court front row pretty easily. <laughs> it was usually open just because of uh, of the lean years I was there. But thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing that. That was a uh, uh, that's that's just fun, and and I'm glad you to continue to to do that uh, each year. I look forward to uh, hearing <laughs> what the what the next celebrity encounter uh, is. There, I, I want to transition though. Obviously, COVID has changed the dynamic of the way broadcasting is occurring, not just with sports, but across the board. But but I wanted to start in particular with sports and what you've kind of witnessed in terms of how these networks, uh, both locally and nationally, are handling these broadcasts, both from bubbles and in, in these hybrid half fans, no fan situations. What have you liked? What have you disliked from what you've seen so far? I've liked the NBA a lot more than I thought I would when it first started. Uh, it looked, and I know that a lot of people didn't agree with me on this, but I thought it looked so strange. It, it looks like a really nice high school gym. Yeah. And um, obviously the play is different, uh, but, and the play has been great. I mean, and the sons were great, but um, I mean, what a great story. And in some ways the best possible way to end. They they never lost in the bubble. <laughs> I think they would have gotten knocked. They would have gotten knocked out pretty quickly in the, in the, if they had actually made the playoff. But uh, but it, you know it ends up the Cinderella story. Uh, but I think that the, the striking thing there is one is that um, they they clearly have gotten the COVID thing uh, right uh, or seem to have. You never know. You don't know what they're reporting. You don't know what they're uh, what you know, necessarily what's really going on. I guess, but. Uh, uh, but their social justice message has been so striking uh, from game one on, from the first Suns game to what they're doing now. And I think that it's just been uh, really inspiring and uh, kind of pointing to a way forward for other sports uh, because they have been so bold and they've been so uh, just, uh, just, you know, we're going to do it. And you can either, you know, either, either you're with us or you're not but we're not changing for you. This is who we are. And I think that that's really been striking and that that's been good to see in sports. I have never, ever, ever been part of the shut up and dribble crowd. Um, These people are, they're not, they're not there. They don't exist solely for our entertainment. They, they they have a platform, uh, a larger platform than most of us have. And it's nice to see them use it. Yeah. Um, I I think that from, from your perspective in terms of, of media and having having covered this through this evolution with uh, with social media and athletes being able to have that voice, uh, how how impressed have you been with the evolution of that and and how much social media has changed that dynamic in in sports? But I think it's also in sports broadcasting forced conversations that in the past probably wouldn't have happened because the the players didn't have that voice. Oh, are you kidding? I mean, it's not just that the, the, the players have forced the issue. And I think that's what's been nice about it. It's and, and it could be that some of the broadcasters would like to have talked more about it. Yeah. But I feel like they were in a lot of ways hamstrung because, um, you know, better than I do, the role that money plays in uh, in sports and particularly in professional sports well, and college sports. <laughs> I mean, who, who are we kidding? I mean, but um, but uh, just, gonna, just, you know, I guess they're just going to have to go drive the park, the money trucks up in front of all the big 10 stadiums now or something. (laughs) But the, um, but uh, I think that the NFL was so image conscious and so afraid of, 
of Colin Kaepernick. I mean, afraid enough that they basically blackballed him for, for several seasons. Uh, that um, I, I can't say that they don't, I don't think they, you know, they didn't blatantly silence anybody. I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think they went down and said, you can't talk about this. Maybe they did. And you, you certainly, I just, I don't know broadcasting from the, 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 in the same way that you do, but they, I mean, I just kind of know what a, what a C, but uh, I, I mean, I, I, what I think is they knew better than to, uh, than to, um, to, to speak up and to speak out. And now that issue again has kind of been forced on them. Yeah. And so moving away from that, but just the broadcasts in, in general, I had Todd Walsh on recently and we kind of discussed the dynamics that, that went into a, a coyotes broadcast that NHL, obviously uh, in two bubbles in Canada. And, but the, the broadcasters for those coyotes games that were on Fox sports, Arizona, were sitting out at, at Gila river arena in Glendale. And uh, to me, watching those broadcasts you you couldn't really tell but todd told a story about how you know he's sitting across the arena on a different part in a different part of the arena on the set for the pre pre and uh and post game show but you could actually hear the the broadcast booth uh, across the ice and how bizarre <laughs> it was for him but i don't think it really showed at all in these broadcasts no, and I think I think it I think it's taken some practice, and I think I mean, the only thing that you hear that that you hear the broadcasters say is uh, if it is an away game, they're sort of at the mercy of replay uh, that the home team is showing. They may not show you the replay you want. You're you're going to be you want the Coyotes the, uh, replay, or you want the Diamondbacks replay. You know that you you want it centric to them. And and instead you're you're going to get like the Dodgers version of it. Uh, but I think that they've uh, I I've been impressed I, enough to. Here's the way I feel about it. They the it feels normal, but it's not. Yeah. And and, and it makes I think we're all looking for something normal right now. Uh, anything. I mean, you know, my kids go to school in their bedrooms. I work in you know this here in this little place. Uh, but um. And I think we're looking for that. And I think that it, 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 when it comes to feeling normal, if you're cooking dinner or something and you've got a game on in the background, baseball feels the most normal because they do a good job with the crowd noise. And I yeah. know that sounds it sounds shallow, but it's true. I mean, if, if you if you're chopping up vegetables or something and and you've got the game on in the background, it sounds just like it always did. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, it it doesn't sound any different when you watch. Clearly, it's 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 a lot different. Um, I do. Th- I mean. Uh, Football looks pretty good, I think. But again, it's just what I think they should do. And and they finally did this in the third quarter of the Cardinals game. I think at the beginning of every game, they should do a panning shot of this football stadium to show you what they're looking at. And and obviously, unless it's in Kansas City or somewhere like that, it's basically going to be empty. Yeah. Um. And I I just think that they they at least it gives you a a perspective because they talk about it and and but then they the crowd noise kind of makes you think you know oh well what's really going on there and i just i, I like the visual of it i, I like right. knowing what's going on 
Yeah, agreed. Uh, looking at the, at these broadcasts, uh, have you? What's like the one innovation that you've been impressed with, and the one thing that that some of these networks have tried that that, that you found underwhelming? Uh, I have I have a few, but I'd love to love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, um, I don't. I it's been interesting to see like the sideline reporters are not actually on the sidelines uh, yeah. for the NFL. Uh, they're in the in the stadium in in the stands, uh, but they uh, if you I'm sure you have when you talk to sideline reporters that's kind of a frustrating job anyway. Uh, they they're really at the mercy of what the league will let them say. Even if I've I've heard uh, a couple I've talked to some of them before, and the, and one told me that she would be standing beside somebody with like clearly an injured leg, and she can't tell her audience that until they say oh by the way officially he has an injured leg. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know in in terms of uh, of of of, of the ways that they've had to adapt, it's all felt in terms of the, what the broadcasters say and what they're doing. It's all felt pretty normal to me, and I, and I think that that's uh, that's a testament to um, how good these people are at their jobs. I think, I mean, for instance, I think Dave Pash is as good as anybody. I think he should have gotten the Monday Night Football job. Um, he uh, truly, I mean, I think he's uh, he and Sean McDonough are my two favorite play by play guys. Uh, but I, I, I guess one thing that I do like is, um, the, the camera angles, they, they feel evidently a little more free to play with them. Yeah. You know? I, and, and maybe it's just, they feel like it's also weird right now. Anyway, <laughs> now is our moment, you know, the, this, of all, of all the times to try something new, this is the time. And you, you see on social media, people complain about it. Oh, what's with this camera angle? Da, da, da. And, and my thing is kind of like, Cool. I haven't seen that before. Yeah. The the one I love is the uh, the track shot that they're doing for NBA games. Since they have no fans on the opposite side of of the benches, they have that that cam on a on a track, and it gives you almost a video game feel because you're about at the same level perspective wise as as the players. I think that is we'll never see it again because they'll never. Uh, they'll never forego the real estate for seats. You just can't. Right. You can't have it again. Yeah. yeah. But it's been really cool to cool to see. I think I think the one that fell flat for me was uh, I believe it was Fox trying to put the fake fans into baseball uh, into baseball games, but it was only in certain shots, so it was very bizarre. Was, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, that was a bust. And um, yeah. and and you're right. I mean, when it, when they were showing it live, they looked oh look at all these people. It looks just like a game. And then they show a replay or something, and they cut to a camera where you know, like the third baseman's going for a foul ball. <laughs> and it's like, hey, did everybody go to the bathroom? I mean, you know, what all it was, what must the lines be like at the in the restrooms? You know, I mean, the um, uh, you know what I've come around to kind of like though, are the virtual fans in the NBA. Yeah, um, I, I like that too. It, it, it took a, it, at first I didn't, I, I thought, uh, uh, but then they, you know, and I don't think at first they necessarily did that great a job of, of kind of telling you what it was. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, um, and, and, and now they kind of focus on it. If they, if they see Paul Pierce at a Celtics game, you know, at a Celtics game, <laughs> they'll, um, you know, they'll show him sitting there, uh, you know, cheering and stuff. And I think that, 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 I mean, it's just like anything else, anything else in media, more information, is better than less information and letting us know what that's about and how it's going on and what it means. I, I, I think that helps and makes for a better broadcast. Yeah, certainly. And I think it's one of those things like you were talking about earlier where, 
uh, it, it's just that it's that bizarre sense of normalcy. Sure, we know they're not actually there, but it's nice to see fans actually watching the game and, and being involved uh, as much as they can right now. I think that certainly uh, feels nice. I want to I want to shift gears a little bit here uh, before before we let you go. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, obviously another part of media that uh, that has been majorly impacted by the effects of COVID and this bizarre 2020 has been the movie industry and the movie theaters in general. Uh, Tenant was uh, Christopher Nolan's big film was kind of portrayed as what was going to jumpstart the box office, kind of save, uh, save theaters and, and this 2020. And it seems as if it, it, it's fallen short. It's fallen flat. I mean, last I saw uh, it was roughly 30 million. It had grossed domestically since it opened at the beginning of the month. What, what do you think this means for the future of the box office, at least for the rest of, of 2020 and movie theaters in general going forward? Well, I, a few things. Uh, one thing, uh, you have to remember New York and LA are not open. So uh, that's where a lot of that audience and a lot of that money would have come from. But I think clearly another part of this is a whole lot of people don't feel comfortable going back yet. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to go to the grocery store. And I mean, I've, I've probably seen a lot more movies than most people but you don't got to go to the movies. I mean, you know, that, that, that's a luxury. That's a, um, and I just, and I believe me, I count me as one of them. I, I'm not comfortable going back yet. I did not review tenant because they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't send screener links. And we just made the decision that we just, we'll just do without, well, um, you know, we won't do it. Uh, I think that, I mean, I think it's going to be, it's a reflect, but going to the movies is going to be reflective of a lot of things moving forward. When, when are you in your, day-to-day life going to go grocery shopping without a mask again. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's how it's going to be in a movie theater or when are you going to, when would you be, maybe you feel relatively safe now going in there with the distancing and they, you know, they, they automatically block seats around you and they do all that stuff. But when would you feel safe, uh, fully safe in a crowded theater? I just, I don't know. I can't say, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. And I think that that's one of the tricky things about this whole thing is, the answer to so many questions right now is I don't know, but I'll say, but I do think that the experience has probably changed forever. I mean, I think that it's kind of like how, you know, all these uh, sort of uh, middle managers discovered during this pandemic when they've worked at home, it's like, wow, maybe we didn't need a, seven meetings a day. You know, maybe, maybe we didn't have to have it. I think that what people are kind of discovering is, and, and I, this saddens me because it, as you know, I mean, the theater experience is so much different unless you've got like a, an actual screening room in your house or something. And if you do invite me over, but the, but <laughs> unless you have that, I mean, it's a, it's a different thing, but a lot of people I think are, are becoming more comfortable with thinking, you know what, I'll pay 29 bucks and my whole family can watch Mulan and we don't have to leave the house. Uh, and while that is that expensive, yes. I mean, it's expensive to, to get a movie, but it's, but if you got four kids, you know, that's, then it becomes a pretty good bargain. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I'm a, I, I am not paid to see movies, but I probably have seen almost as many as you because it's, it's one of the few places that I've found in life that I can disconnect and truly enjoy something uh, outside of myself. And, and it has been like that since I was a child, I grew up uh, about, uh, 
probably 500 yards from from an AMC theater that happened to be in my neighborhood. And starting at like age 10, I was going to see two or three movies a weekend. I mean, it was just it was just something that that I re- really resonated with me. And I, I'm a huge Nolan fan, but I just I was not comfortable. I have not seen the movie because I just I was not ready to go back. And uh, and I I thought more people were going to based on uh, just based on the way we've seen things uh, go, but it really surprised me that that's all it's, it's made at the domestic box office. And, and like you said, California and New York uh, still have not had the opportunity to even make that decision for themselves. But it, it makes me wonder when you're looking at, we've already seen Wonder Woman get, get have the release date moved uh, a handful of times. It's now uh, December we saw uh, we saw Bond move from April to November now, but uh, do you think that that what's happening with Tenet is going to force a reexamination uh, by theaters and dist- or by by distributors and, and studios to to look at this and go? We either need to go the on demand route or or shift our plans again into into twenty twenty one sometime. I think more the latter. Uh, I don't think. I- now they're they're going to start closing. I, I do think they're going to start narrowing that window of when it comes out in the theater and when you can rent it at home uh, or when you can stream it. Uh, and I think that that's in large part. I mean, you know, Hamilton had a lot of success. I guess uh, Mulan did, as far as I know. The, the tricky thing about the streaming services is they don't really release their figures. You know, the, the yeah. way that they do with box office. So you, you got to take it all with a kind of a grain of salt. But I do think that that, that window will shrink. And and I think that you'll find more and more people saying, you know what, I'll wait. You know, uh, and that's that's not good for box office, and it's not good for theater chains because, I mean, they they don't make their money on your ticket; they make their money selling you popcorn, and and that and they and they got to have people in those seats to sell the popcorn. So I think that it's I think it's going to be a reexamining of the, the whole way the business works. Um, I mean, I. You, you, it's already the tenant thing has already had some effect. You'll notice that, that when they moved Wonder Woman back to Christmas or whenever it is now, which is what the third or fourth time, as you say, that they've moved it, it was right after the box office returns came out for tenant. Uh, I think they saw what that did and they thought, you know, I, it, it's that I'm not an economist, believe me, but it's that that question that you have to ask is like, is, is some money now better than a lot more money later? And, and I don't know how you make those calculations Yeah. and, and so many things go, but how much money have you lost already? How, how, how well is this movie really going to do? And, and the big one of course is when truly will large audiences get together again? And that's just something that nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for a film like a, a Bill and Ted face the music, I mean, it, it probably made sense to go on demand because there was an appetite, but it wasn't, it wasn't a a massive appetite. It was, it was something they knew fans like myself would watch, but, but wouldn't necessarily get the mass appeal if, you know, so it probably made financial sense, but these tentpole movies, it's going to be very, very interesting to, to see what they do. And looking at it, we've seen so many movies already, already move in to 2020 or excuse me, 2021 out of 2020. Are we, have we ever seen a year with so many 
theatrical blockbusters and highly anticipated films scheduled to be released like we have like we're gonna see in 2021 <laughs> that's i mean i actually hadn't thought of it that way but that um, but that's true and you wonder that scheduling release schedules for movies is a real tricky art and i think You don't want them saturated, you know, so it's going to, it's going to be something. Yeah. I, I just, it, it, <laughs> as a movie fan, 2020 has been very difficult, but when you look at 2021 and what's coming, as long as, as long as we find a way to return to somewhat normal, uh, I think, I think we're going to be rewarded for, for what we went through with, uh, with as many fantastic films that are, that are on the slate for 2021. Bill, I have taken up far too much of your time. I really do appreciate you joining me and kind of sharing your perspective, both on the sports side uh, and the film side. Uh, why don't you let the, the listeners and viewers know how they can find you on social? Uh, you can find me um, at Goody K on Twitter and uh, my uh, Facebook uh uh, you can find me at uh, it's it's Goody on film, I believe. Uh, it, it's sort of sort of a weird thing there, but if you there's not a, a, a ton of Goody Kuntzes on Facebook. There's some more than you might think, but but I'm pretty easy to find, and I'm on Instagram as well with Goody K. Uh, so there I am. Seek it out. <laughs> he, he is one of my favorite uh, favorite reads, has always been uh, one of my favorite critics when it comes to film and media. He is Bill Goody Kuntz. I'm Greg Esposito, uh, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back in. It is my favorite part of the show. It is, well, that's not fair to say. I love talking to our guests, but uh, this is all by myself where I get to tell you a little bit about what's my on my mind, have a conversation with you, the listener, and I hope you guys will have one back. You can always tweet me at Espo. Email me, Espo, at ArizonaVarsity.com as we are part of the Arizona Varsity Podcast Network team, AZV, and Really appreciate Bill Goody Kuntz joining me on the program. Like I said, big fan of what he does. And talking with him uh, about sports media, about film, got me thinking about really what we're all dealing with as a, uh, as a society here together and how much normalcy has changed since March. Uh, it's been weird and, and, Bill brought up the fact when we're talking about movies that it's not really clear when any of us are going to be comfortable to, to have things be quote unquote normal again. Uh, when, when will we see a full movie theater? When will we see a full sports stadium? Uh, we, you know, will we ever see it the way it was? And for me, those two things were, what as admittedly as a, a nervous child, a, an anxious child brought me calm and peace. I mentioned it with Bill, but the movie theater was my, my sanctuary. Uh, you know, I, I found, found it always a place that I could go when I could clear my head, no matter whether there was there there was drama in my life or somebody had passed or there was chaos uh, you know in the world uh, i mean i remember 
the movie theaters was where I, where I went, uh, you know, as a, as a high schooler to feel like there was a sense of normalcy. Uh, I would turn to that or, or to, to sports and being in a crowd when, uh, when things went, went bad or were rough. I remember times that my dad would take me to games when there were, were difficult things going on in, in our lives. And during a time that's probably one of the most difficult we've all gone through, we haven't had those things to turn to. And, and it's been weird. It's been weird. It's like you lost almost a friend, uh, you know, in, in this and the return of sports has been great. Uh, it's, it's given that kind of, you know, like Bill talked about a, a little bit of a false sense of normalcy when you've got a baseball game on in the background and the crowd noise and, or last Sunday watching the Cardinals. I mean, with no preseason, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't overly hyped for it. Right. You, you felt like, Oh, well, the NFL is coming back. Okay. At least that's the way I felt because there was so much uh, going on in sports and without the hype of a preseason and seeing guys and understanding what a roster was going to, going to look like and, and how it felt. I, I wasn't, I, I didn't have the same excitement that I usually do. And the, the, the false sense of hope as well, that, that a lot of Cardinals fans go into a season feeling I, I was lacking that, but, but then when, when they took the field in San Francisco, all of a sudden you felt, felt that, that, that semi sense of normalcy. And, you know, it's, I don't know when we'll all return to that, but it, it, it's difficult, but it's amazing to me that, that one thing that has at least helped me through all this is being able to have these conversations with, with people around sports on this podcast and social media, uh, zoom calls with, with groups of friends or, or other, uh, other podcast hosts, those kind of things, sports, film, media, talking about movies that are coming up. I mean, uh, I'm on multiple text threads that we talk about, uh, the Batman movie and other things that are, are going on those small sense things keep that sense of community. And it's amazing that sports uh, and film and, and media in general has made that possible. Uh, even when we're, we're physically distant, we're not distant from each other. And that's, that speaks to the power and the Testament uh, of what these, these things actually mean to us that sports, yeah, sports movies, they're, they're big business. There's lots of money involved in them. But what amazes me is that there's still a common language between people. I don't care anything about else about somebody when we talk sports or movies. We can put the other stuff aside unless you're a Lakers fan or a Cowboys fan. I, then, you know, I can't put that aside, but and I'm sorry, but you, you know what I mean. We can put things aside and have a common language when we're talking sports, when we're talking movies. And it's a reminder to me that there's much more that that you know unites us and that that we're alike in than separates us and divides us and in this time we we are so faced with uh, with things that are that, that are different and about about us and, and and that our opinions and and politics and it, all these different things that are thrown at us but when we come to the table with sports and film and entertainment 
we can still find that common ground and still enjoy it and still experience things, no matter uh, social or socioeconomical uh, things that, that define us in those ways. We can still find that common ground. We can find that common language. We can have discussions and fun, even when we can't be together. And that, I think, I always put the emphasis on the place. I thought it was the movie theater or being at a sporting event. But I think it's the love of those things that really are are the things that, that, that made me feel calm, that I found peace in uh, growing up and that I continue to find peace in as an adult. Uh, and, and it's not the end all be all. There's, there are so many other things in life that are important. Uh, you know, as a father, I mean, that's, that, that, that's obviously the most important and being a husband to me, but these things are the things that help me keep, keep me grounded. And I've been amazed by that because yes, we can't, uh, go fill uh, state farm stadium or talking stick resort arena, uh, we can go to movie theaters, but we still have to be separated. And there's still a, a stigma about that. But that doesn't mean these things can't still bring us together. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, big thanks to my guest, Bill Goody Koontz, for being part of the program. Uh, thank you. Make sure to check him out at AZ Central and his great work. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. Thanks to the team AZV. Uh, a group. Uh, I love the other shows on this network. As always, check out uh, the Sandy Charles show streams and memes. Uh, we got a, a good one. I actually got a guest on Jordan Ham's show and the topic is, is fun. I'm not going to spoil it, but keep an eye out for that one as well. Uh, and make sure to check out the entire network. It's great. Big thanks to Ralph for, uh, for being the editor and letting us do this. So for Bill Goody Koontz and the team uh, at ArizonaVarsity.com, I'm Greg Esposito, and thanks for joining me here on the Espo Show.